Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in the city of brotherly love talking to our new friend, Irene Levy-Baker. She's the author of Unique Eats Philly and 100 Things to Do in Philadelphia Before You Die. If anyone knows the best things to do in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, it's Irene. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Philly. Let's start the show. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. This episode is brought to you in part by RewardExpert.com. They offer financial insights to make life rewarding. RewardExpert offers three amazing tools that will help you find the best deals based on personalized recommendations, earn more travel rewards or cash back through the shopping portal, and discover how many miles it would take to book your next vacation. Visit wetravelthere.com forward slash reward expert for more details. Irene, welcome to the show. I'm really excited today to talk about Philadelphia. Lee, thanks for having me here today. I'm excited about telling everyone about Philadelphia too. Obviously, Philly is a great town. What's your connection to Philadelphia? People are surprised to hear that even though I wrote two books about Philadelphia, that I'm not a native of Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphian by choice, not by birth. That being said, I've been here since 1991. I immediately started working for the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau, and that's where I fell in love with the city. And since then, I've had a public relations firm where I specialize in restaurants and hospitality. So I've gotten to see all the most wonderful parts of the city and tell people about it. Yeah. (laughs) Both of those sound like ideal jobs. I mean, getting a lot of fun and a lot of fantastic food. And I'm looking forward to hearing all about the fantastic food as we talk today. Before we get into that, obviously you've been here now for a number of years. How would you describe the city as like in one or two words? What's the one or two words you would describe Philadelphia? My first word is real because what you see is what you get. Real people, real places, very authentic. And my second word is vibrant because it's, it's such a walkable, vibrant, exciting, bustling city. Nice. And you mentioned walkable. And so if somebody comes to visit Philadelphia, do they need to rent a car or is there good public transportation? What's the best way to get around? The number one tip I give people is when they get to Philadelphia, not to rent a car, but to either take the train or an Uber, Lyft, taxi, into Center City, which is what we call downtown. And once you get downtown, every place is walkable. Bring good walking shoes. The city is set up in a grid pattern, which makes it super easy to navigate. Thank you to our founder, William Penn. It's the fastest way to see this and the best way to see the city is by walking. That's great. I mean, whenever we travel, we try to avoid rental cars as much as possible. I, I think you just get a better feel for the city as you're able to walk around and just really take it in instead of, I mean, I'm the, I'm the dad of our family. And whenever I'm driving, I can't look around and explore and see things. I'm focused on the road, make sure we're not crashing into something. So anytime I can walk and just really be able to enjoy the city, it's a definite positive for me. Let me give you an example, Lee. Philadelphia is the mural capital of the world. We have nearly 4,000 murals. Wow. And if you're being a good driver, you're missing some fantastic artwork. What makes it the mural capital of the world? Was there some impetus as far as starting that up? Yes. Philadelphia Mural Arts started it as an anti-graffiti program. Okay. And it's grown into so, so much more. Besides the murals being beautiful, they often bring together communities. 
so that a community will think about what do they want on their wall and what's important to them. And sometimes they even get involved in helping to paint it. And it can really transform neighborhoods and bring people together. And there are walking, trolley, and self-guided tours of the murals, which are magnificent. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. One, it gets you out there getting some fresh air, getting off the couch and walking around, but also it's family fun and it's obviously cheap, right? Because you just walk around the city and explore all the different murals that are around. Well, and that's some of the fun too, just when you're walking around the city, discovering them. It's Mm -hmm. just delightful. Yeah, and it gives you a reason to check out a different part of the city that you would never thought about before. And you're just going to walk around and check it out. And while you're there, stop in and grab a little bite to eat along the way. Definitely. So when people are coming to Philadelphia, is there certain times of the year that are better to visit than others? I would say any time that you visit Philadelphia is a great time to visit Philadelphia. We have four distinct seasons, and we take advantage of all of them. For example, Dilworth Park is some very vibrant urban space outside of Philadelphia City Hall, which is right in the heart of the city. Mm -hmm. In the spring, summer, and fall, there's an interactive fountain, and you'll see kids running through it and business people having lunch there and different things. In the wintertime, it's an ice skating rink. So whether it's hot or cold, there's plenty to do. And then uh, I think you said one of the things in the notes that you showed me, there's actually, you can play miniature golf in Franklin Square. In Franklin Square, one of the four original squares planned by William Penn, our founder, there is a mini golf that is, instead of shooting around sand traps and water obstacles, the obstacles are Philadelphia icons. Oh, wow. Like a mini art museum, which has the Rocky Steps, a mini Elfrith's Alley, the oldest continuously occupied street, a mini Liberty Bell, a mini Independence Hall. And I have a tip for you about that, Lee. If you're traveling with children, anywhere from, you know, little ones to even teenagers, to have your kid take a picture at each of the mini icons, then go to the real thing. Take a picture at the mini Chinese friendship gate, then go to the real Chinese friendship gate. It not only gets them super excited about going to the real things, but it makes a really great picture when you put them together on social media. Oh, yeah. That sounds fantastic. So it's like a scavenger hunt. And even teenagers really get into it. Yeah. And it's hard to get teenagers excited about a lot of things other than whatever's happening on Snapchat or whatever app they're working on now. Exactly. But it'll make their coolest picture for them. (laughs) And so when people are walking around, obviously walking is good, getting out there, getting the blood flowing. I think you said that there's something called the SEPTA train that runs on a pretty frequent basis. SEPTA is our bus system, our regional rail going out to the suburbs, and there's also a train that goes from the airport to Center City every half hour. It's reliable, it's inexpensive, and there are never traffic jams. Yeah, coming from LA, that's where I used to live, the traffic was always horrible. So anytime I can avoid traffic, that's a definite win. Let's talk a little bit about the food. Obviously, that's one of the things that you really specialize in. And I know that we could probably spend an hour talking about this, but we only have a few minutes. What are some of the favorite places to eat? Or obviously, Philadelphia is known for cheesesteaks. There are two really popular ones, but I'm pretty sure the the locals eat someplace else. (laughs) For cheesesteaks, I would say that Philadelphia is definitely known for cheesesteaks. And I think everyone visiting should definitely have one or more. We're also known for soft pretzels okay, and water ice. Locals call it water ice. 
Yep. Which is like a cross between a slushy and a snow cone. But more and more, we're, we're being named a top food destination. And we're win- winning more James Beard Awards and getting a lot of national recognition for our restaurants. There is some very good eating to be had in Philadelphia. I think that some of that dates all the way back to founder William Penn, who founded the city on a freedom of religion. That brought people of all different nationalities here, which means we became a great melting pot and we have great ethnic food. We also have BYOBs, which I don't think you have so much elsewhere in the country, which are restaurants where you can bring your own bottle of wine, beer, or liquor. And you save a lot of money because you're not paying a markup on those things. And it allowed a lot of mom and pop shops to open restaurants for a lot less money than if they had to get a liquor license. Oh, sure. And it also it stops them from opening up for several days as far as while they're waiting for that permit process to go through. True. Yes. Liquor licenses can take a while to get. Yeah, for sure. And then one of the last times we were in, not Philadelphia per se, but we were in the Poconos probably you know, seven, eight years ago. It's interesting the different liquor laws that are in every different state. Up in the Poconos, I'm not sure how it is in Philadelphia, but up there, if you wanted to get a six pack, you had to go to a restaurant and buy it from the restaurant. If you wanted more than two six packs, then you had to go to a beer warehouse and get it from there. And if you wanted liquor or or wine, then you had to go to an ABC store. So it's just all these weird rules related to alcohol. And so that's interesting to know that you can bring your own alcohol into the restaurants. Yeah. In my mind, all these BYOB restaurants sort of made lemoncello out of lemons because we have crazy liquor laws that are very restrictive, but what that brought us was some really great restaurants. So what are some of the restaurants that you would recommend? Oh, well, there's so many good restaurants. Some of our recent James Beard winners include Zahav, which is modern Israeli food, Vernick, which is authentic American food with Greg Vernick's own special twist on it, using great ingredients in a really warm, lovely atmosphere. Veg is a vegetarian restaurant, and instead of serving fake meat, the chef Rich Landau serves vegetables that are so, so good that you don't miss the meat. And his restaurant's been named not the best vegetarian restaurant, but one of the best restaurants, period, in the country. That's great. I mean, you need to be able to to have that broad appeal and not just catering to vegetarians. Because, I mean, there's carnivores like me that obviously focus on the meat side, but uh, my wife, she loves eating the vegetables and especially when they're fresh and delicious like that. (laughs) When we come out there to visit you, that's probably going to be one of the first places she's going to want to go. Great. Well, I spoke with Rich, the chef, and he said he had a carnivore's palate. So he still craves those flavors and finds ways to put those flavors, though not the animals, into his cooking. Wow. How interesting is that? I think you'll be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that in the, the show notes, you actually gave me a few different other places like that Polizzi Social Club. So Polizzi Social Club's a very interesting place. A hundred years ago, there were lots of social clubs for immigrants in South Philadelphia. And after 99 years, the president of Polizzi, which was only for immigrants from Vasto, Italy, the, the owner passed it down to his nephew, Joey Baldino, who is a well-known chef here in Philadelphia. And Joey made two changes. He started making his grandmother's recipe with his own special twist on them. Mm-hmm. And he convinced the board of directors to open membership to anyone 
as long as they had a membership. So when you go there, you go to a small street with row houses, and one of those row houses has a neon sign above the door that says Polizzi. And you ring the doorbell, and a flap in the door opens, and you see two eyes, and those belong to Guido the doorman. (laughs) He's going to ask you if you have a membership, if you're with a friend with a membership, and at one point, they stopped selling memberships because Bon Appetit named them one of the best new restaurants in the country, and they were overwhelmed. I've heard recently they've started selling memberships again occasionally. So if you're really lucky, he'll be selling memberships that night. And if he lets you in, he's going to sweep open the door and then sweep back the curtain. And it's like walking back in time to the 1950s. Wow. The music is Rat Pack with Frank Sinatra and other Rat Pack singers. There's a dimly lit bar. Gabby's always behind the bar. Dolores is always serving the meals. The food is excellent. And it's not as exclusive as as it sounds. It's quite inclusive because you are surely going to meet the people at the bar on your left and your right and leave with two new best friends. That's so cool. It's a cool place. No, it sounds great. I mean, just having those type of unique experiences is what traveling is all about. I know we have a lot of other places. I, I mean, your whole book is about it, right? As far as awesome places to eat inside Philadelphia, but we only have a few more minutes and I really want to talk about some of the things to do inside Philadelphia as well. A lot of people forget that actually Philadelphia was the original home of the White House, right? That's true. Independence Hall. Philadelphia was the uh, capital of the United States for the first 10 years of its existence. And we have great history here. Independence Hall, Liberty Bell, the National Constitution Center, the Revolution Museum. So history buffs are going to love Philadelphia. No question about it. When I was doing a little research for this episode, I looked and I found this article that a Philadelphia historian actually holds the deed to the first White House in his collection. Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. He's looking to sell his entire collection. So if you got a a fat check, then you can actually own the original deed. Just all these these things when we've been around for so long, America's relatively new country compared to Europe, but we still have a fantastic history. When people are going to go to some of the things like the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall, is there a certain tip that you would have as far as being able to, to avoid the lines or reduce the cost to be able to visit some of these exhibits? So the Liberty Bell is free, as is Independence Hall. But for Independence Hall during busy seasons, like the summer, you do need a pass, same-day pass. Okay. So you should go to the visitor center first and get that pass first thing in the morning. Because if you come by at three or four o'clock, it might be too late. And you don't want to wait in line to get into Independence Hall and get to the door and find out you don't have a pass. So don't forget to get your pass for the Independence Hall. Liberty Bell, you can just walk up. Sometimes there's a line, but it moves very quickly and it's a very moving experience. We also have some one-of-a-kind places like Magic Gardens. What is that? I was waiting, hoping you would ask. (laughs) It's not a garden at all. It is a art installation inside and out that's made entirely of mosaic, pieces of dishes, bicycle parts, bottles, found objects and other things. And you walk in and around and up and through, and it is just breathtaking. Like you feel like you're Alice in Wonderland. That's really cool. And we have great public spaces, not only Dilworth Park, which I mentioned, but Spruce Street Harbor Park, which is a beer garden on the Delaware River with colorful hammocks and lights that change color and music and fountains and giant game boards and places where Philadelphians and tourists hang out together. No, that sounds fun. I mean, being able to hang out right by the river, 
lounging in a hammock while drinking some uh, some local craft brews. That's right right up my alley. So it happened, right? <laughs> yeah. I also read that the U.S. Mint is also there. It is. The U.S. Mint is free. The self-guided tour is about 45 minutes. It's quite interesting to, you never really think about all the art and design that goes into a coin. And it's quite interesting to see the factory where they're made. Like a million coins can be made every 30 minutes. It's incredible. Oh, wow. A lot of people always are going to have the joke, oh, do they hand out samples? So no, <laughs> they, they don't give out free money. Having a free tour is the next best thing to free money. So You bet. A couple other things that you mentioned that I want to kind of go over real quick. Federal Donuts, what's, uh, what's going on there? I'm all about the donuts. Definitely. Yeah, they have really unusual flavors. It's actually owned by Michael Solomonov, who's also the owner of Zahav, which I mentioned earlier, the Israeli restaurant. Mm-hmm. He has a handful of restaurants here in Philadelphia. He has Federal Donuts, which also makes really, really good fried chicken. Oh, good. He has Goldie, which is, which is a fast casual specializing in falafels. At Goldie, isn't there a drink that you really like there? Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. The tahini milkshake is unbelievable. It is uh, addictive. Yeah, my wife's a big coffee drinker too. So it's, it's coffee-based, right? There are several flavors. There's a traditional, there's also coconut, and my favorite is the Turkish coffee tahini shake. Across the street is Dizengoff, which is a traditional Israeli humusia. What's a humusia? Hummus, bowls of hummus with different kinds of toppings, whether it be lamb or cauliflower, different kinds of toppings. And one last restaurant is Rooster Soup Company, which gives a portion of its proceeds to feed the homeless in Philadelphia. It's more like a traditional deli kind of style. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it's nice going to places like that where you're going to get great food at a good price, and then it's doing something positive for the community. Yeah, definitely. And I did forget one more restaurant that he has, which is Abe Fisher, which is the food of the Jewish diaspora, but nothing like anyone's grandmother ever made. It's way, way better. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Don't tell my grandmother I said that. Our lips are sealed. The last one is something you mentioned called the Hop Sing Laundromat. Hopsing Laundromat is one of the secret speakeasies in Philadelphia. And when I was researching the book, it was, I have to say, some of the fun was going to some of these secret speakeasy, finding out what the rules were, and checking them out. Hopsing is based in Philadelphia Chinatown. There's no sign, just a doorbell and an address. And you ring the doorbell, and you want to make sure you're not wearing shorts or tennis shoes or flip-flops, because if you are, you're not getting in. If you get in... They will tell you what the rules are. And one of those rules is you cannot bring out your phone and take pictures. Uh-huh. Why would you go somewhere with a dress code and somewhere you couldn't take out your phone? Because Condé Nast named it the best bar, not in Philadelphia, not in Pennsylvania, not in the United States, but the best bar in the world. Wow. Hopsing Laundromat was named the best bar in the world. And the rules all have reasons. The reason there's no sign is because the owner, Lay who only has one name, didn't want people to just come across it, not realize what it was, come in thinking they were going to get a Bud Light there. He wants it to be a conscious destination. The reason you can't take pictures is because he wants his patrons to have privacy and not worry about being in the background of someone else's picture. Yeah, and, and no selfies in the bar either. Right. I do have a picture of from the inside of Hopsing. Don't tell Lay because I really want to go back, and I don't want to be on his list of people who are banned for life. There are 1,600 people on that list. You do not want to be on it. Yeah, definitely not. 
So that's really cool. I mean, again, another unique experience that you're not going to find anyplace else. It's kind of cool to be like, you kind of feel like you have that like inside track to something really unique that you can tell your friends all about, even if you can't show them a picture. So. <laughs> My picture was taken in the restroom, I have to admit. Oh, there you go. Just because I was feeling like a bad girl that night. <laughs> I hear you. Irene, I really appreciate sharing all the different trips that you have about Philadelphia. We have so many more that are in the, going to be in the show notes for everybody listening. Now it's time to go into the final countdown. And if somebody only had time for one meal in Philadelphia, where should they go and where should they eat? Okay, so I think it's a very bad idea to only have time for one meal in Philadelphia. I agree. We are one of the best restaurant cities in the country. So I reject the question. I don't think you can do justice having one meal in Philadelphia. Okay, how about two? You got to give me like four days. Four? Okay, well, we can do four as long as we're quick. Can can you do that? (laughs) What I'm just trying to say is there's so much good food here. Yes. That it would be like torturing someone to limit their meals here. Oh, for sure. This is a way to find out what's the best meal from your perspective. If you had to just time for one meal and you're getting ready to go on a plane to your next destination, you're like, oh, I have like two hours, three hours. What should I, where should I go? What should I eat? What's like the one thing I, I shouldn't miss? Here's what I'm going to suggest people do. Go to Reading Terminal Market, which is a 125-year-old farmer's market right in the heart of the city. Okay. And it is a food court in the best possible way. There are no chains. Many of the vendors have been there for a hundred years. It's been passed down through generations and you'll find cheesesteaks and you'll find all kinds of ethnic food and you'll find every kind of prepared food from Greek to Jewish delis to different Asian cuisines. That's a place to get a taste for Philadelphia foods and Bassett ice cream, which started in Philadelphia back in the 1800s, and famous First Street cookies, and chocolate shaped like body parts, and <laughs> that's a place to get a real taste for Philadelphia, and it's another place where locals and tourists and conventioneers are all hanging out together. Nice. Uh, obviously, like you talked about earlier, cheesesteaks are like one of like the foods you have to have when you're in Philly. Where would you go for a Philly cheesesteak? I recommend for tourists that they go to Pat's and Gino's, which are catty corner each other on 9th Street in Philadelphia. Okay. Send one person to Pat's and the other person to Gino's and then trade half so you can try both and decide which is best and which you like better because everyone has an opinion. Sure. It's very important when you eat your cheesesteak to lean forward so the juices don't fall on your shirt if you want to eat like a local. The locals go there and the politicians go there and you'll see wedding parties there at midnight. But there's also places where the locals go on a more regular basis, whether it's Reading Terminal Market or Jim's Steaks or Delisandro's. I have to say every local has their favorite place. Yeah, I've had Jim's and it was pretty fantastic. Okay, well, perfect. So obviously you lived there for a number of years now. What's your most memorable story of Philadelphia? You know, Philadelphia's gotten so exciting the last few years. We've had everyone here from the NFL draft to Pope Francis to the Republican and Democratic National Conventions. I have to say, every day gets more exciting in Philadelphia. We are a vibrant, exciting, bustling city. And it's only getting better. And it's only getting better. That's fantastic. That brings a big smile to my face. When I'm thinking about smiling, what's the happiest happy hour in Philadelphia? Well, my favorite happy hour is at McGillan's Old Ale House, where they say every hour is happy hour. 
McGillen's opened in 1860. That's the year that Abe Lincoln was elected president. It was opened by two Irish immigrants, Ma and Pa McGillen, who raised their 13 children upstairs. When Pa died, Ma ran it by herself, and she was a tough bird. She had a list of people who weren't allowed in, including her own father. (laughs) But she hung in there, even through Prohibition, when she locked the door and served tea upstairs. She survived Prohibition and eventually, and ran the bar until she was in her 90s. Wow. When she died, her daughter, who grew up upstairs, sold it to two brothers. And those brothers passed it down to their daughter and niece, and it's now run by their grandson and great-nephew. So it's been in the same family now for three generations, and it's the kind of place where you'll see locals and conventioneers and tourists and professional athletes and politicians and celebrities and rock stars. It's just a great place. And the interesting thing to me about it is that it tends to get younger as the night gets older. So during the day, you'll see a lot of business people and people having lunch. And at night, it's, uh, you know, full of young people and loud music and dancing. And uh, it's a whole different place. In addition to the, the 30 craft beers on tap and the seasonal cocktails, here's your tip about that place. Free soup with every lunch. Oh, there you go. And you thought there was no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> well, at least there's free soup. Yep. Speaking of food, whenever I travel, I always try to get pepperoni pizza wherever I go. What's the best place to get pepperoni pizza in Philadelphia? I got to say this to you, Lee. This is Philadelphia. Cheesesteaks, not pizza. <laughs> I understand. Also, I'm going to have a cheesesteak. But where should I go if I want some pizza? There are a lot of good pizza places here. Stella Pizzeria is very good. Mark Vetri, who's one of our award-winning chefs, has his own pizza place called Pizzeria Vetri. Metropolitan Bakery, which has been around for 25 years, specializing in European breads, has just set up a pizzeria. So you know someone that's well have been around for 25 years making great bread is going to make a great pizza. Oh, I can only imagine how wonderful that crust is going to taste. Right. No, that's great. So no, I appreciate all these tips. Again, we're going to have all these in the show notes and much more. Obviously, you are an expert in Philadelphia, but can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? I worked for the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau for 10 years, and then I went on to write two books about Philadelphia. 100 Things to Do in Philadelphia Before You Die, which includes places to go, things to see, places to eat. And my new book, which is Unique Eats and Eateries of Philadelphia, which tells the stories behind 90 Philadelphia restaurants, along with tips like how to get reservations at Philadelphia's trendiest restaurants, where to get secret menu items, how to get into secret speakeasies, where to spot celebrities. Lee, if people would like a look at the books, they can go to my website, www.uniqueeatsphilly.com. If they get one or both books and tell me they heard about it on your podcast, I will sign it for them. That sounds great. I may even have to buy the books before I come out there. Obviously, you're going to be a wealth of knowledge, and hopefully we can connect when I visit. Both of those books are going to be wonderful resources trying to plan my trip, figure out all the things I want to be able to see, eat, and do while I'm there. Yeah, I tell people to go through the books, circle the things you want to do, cross out the things you've already done. It's a great way to plan your trip. For sure. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for everything. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. I'll be your tour guide. Philadelphia is one of those cities that has an awesome mix of interesting history, fun activities, and amazing food. After speaking with Irene, I'm super hungry for a Philly cheesesteak. And I can't wait to check out one of those secretive speakeasies. What's your favorite thing you learned about Philadelphia? Philadelphia please let us know in the show notes at wetravelthere.com forward slash Philly 
or log into the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook. Join us in the next episode when Philip Taylor shares the best place to enjoy Tex-Mex in Dallas, Texas. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you enjoyed most. Make sure you subscribe so that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts about travel, I suggest checking out my good friend Ed Pizza's show called Miles to Go. Ed and his guests break down the latest travel news with a focus on credit card rewards and loyalty programs in his weekly 30-minute show. Let me know what you think.